Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Crypto Open Mic number seven. How are you all? How are you, Justin? Big news on FTX, eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to uh, to get in and to talk about that. Uh, why, why don't you go ahead and uh, and kick us off in, uh, in introducing that story, uh, J-Rod? Well, as you know, Binance is acquiring FTX, uh, the global enterprise, not the U.S. enterprise, after uh, selling or announcing the sell-off of every token they hold. So huge boss move. I would like to know what do you think about that move, how ethically it is, but uh, big move, right? It is a big move. Yes, there have been a lot of big moves on Twitter lately, as we've all been talking about. But no, that, 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 is, a, that is a big deal. Um, I mean, you know, what, what does consolidation mean when we are a space that is all about centralization? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, so my knee-jerk reaction is not necessarily favorable. I have to be completely honest. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a boss move. I can, I can agree. I can agree with that. What's your take? Uh, he's probably. Uh, anyway, who have we? Who have we got coming through today? This this FTX thing. I don't know. Uh, Two billion dollars in venture capital. Multiple sales. This is an Axios story. Sam Bankman-Fried. Of course, we've heard no small amount about him over the past year or so. Um, FTX has been growing absolutely explosive. I don't know, you know, like I, I, I get the feeling that like Binance, there seems to be this dichotomy sometimes that like the most interesting projects in crypto don't make any money and the projects that make money aren't really very interesting <laughs> and Binance definitely makes money. But I mean, the most interesting thing about its its story is its meteor meteoric growth in the beginning. They've got strong leadership uh, with CZ, but I see like BNN chain struggling a little bit to be interesting. Uh, I see, or sorry, BNB chain, and I see uh, Binance itself. I mean, it's like you know, exchanges have a problem in that they are. Uh, yeah, like somewhat interchangeable in terms of their functionality and fundamentally not all that interesting. Hello, uh, Lisa Gibson, by the way, I sent you a speaking invite uh, twice now. So you should, you should. Hey, Lisa. Yes. Lisa is here from block leader. She's going to talk about us. We also have house of fine art. Uh, say, say hello. Speaker from house of fine art. Thank Hi you. guys. How are you today? Very good. How are you? Good. So I believe that you've just passed uh, your your tenth anniversary uh, for House Absolutely. of Finance. Absolutely. Uh, we have been rolling through through the you know the world of art since ten years now, mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to have a huge show in Art Miami during Art Basel, and we are doing as well our tenth year anniversary. Um, we have Elio from Hoffa.io who can as well tell us about the new project we're doing together with the House of Fine Art, which is going to be huge. That's great. And you are also a co-founder and curator at Hofa, right? Absolutely. I'm a co-founder and curator since, um, yeah, I started um, the gallery with Elio, 
who is on the call tonight and we have been um, exhibiting and representing exclusively a world-renowned artists, uh, which you can see on our website and on the Twitter, which has been with us since many years. And we decided to step in a new world of crypto, NFT, and metaverse. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that is uh, that that's fantastic. And in your can I let me let me try your first name, Simonita. Is that how you that's, pronounce it? Yeah, it's Simonita. It's the it's, Simonita. Yeah, yeah, it's Simonita. Very simple. How you can that's read? Be, that's be, that's a lovely first name. I've never seen it before. But it's a beautiful first name. <laughs> to be honest, me neither. I mean, I haven't met anyone named Simonita <laughs> than myself. But uh, I guess my father was very creative. He's an artist and professor in arts, so he wanted something special. <laughs> right. Well, uh, that that's a beautiful name. We thank you for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Elio, for joining us. We want to hear more about, I mean, obviously, like, I picked up on Hofa's releases last year because you had done some, uh, like, lot sales that, that mixed... Um, like Warhols and other, uh, you know, contemporary art Banksies pieces. And, and Banksy. Oh, yes, Banksy, yeah. Adam, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Arsham. I mean, we have a huge portfolio as well. We Every year we are increasing the portfolio of, of world, very important artists. And, and you know, we are, we are very known in, in fine art and contemporary art world. So... Um, as you can see, you know, we're not stopping. That's that's the whole point, I think, for you uh-huh. know, uh, and um, one of the, I would say, most innovative um, gallery that you can see at the moment around the world. You know, we have been the first ones, uh, um, you know, we had a, a huge show that was only um, sold in cryptocurrency that was that was five years ago which was a huge boom when nobody was even talking about crypto. We were the ones putting the whole show um, that the people could purchase with the cryptocurrencies. So it was, you know, we, we started already many years ago, but this is now something very new that we're working on and we have worked on uh, uh, together with the whole team of people that we have um, in Hoffa.io and uh, Hoffa Gallery. And that's why... We are here where we are. <laughs> and, uh, well, well that, that's good. You know, were you prescient enough to see the NFTs, which, you know, if you go back to like 2017, I knew about them. I had a, an NFT uh, racing pig for a video game, in fact. Yeah. And I had no idea that the file format was going to become a uh, next big way for uh, artists and all sorts. And I've gotten to talk to so many of them, not only uh, fine artists and, and painters, but also uh, musicians, uh, pr- producers and directors of film and that sort of thing, uh, where you've it's become a new source of funding for a whole range Absolutely. of uh, exciting artists. And that's why we have Elio um, here tonight as well to, to say a few words about the project we're doing. Hi, guys. Uh, can you hear me? Hello, Elio. How hear- are you? Hey, great, thanks. Yeah, I'm connected uh, from our uh, our venture, Artem Coin. Uh, uh-huh. So, yeah, Simonida and myself have been developing Hoffa for, for a decade. And uh, I guess uh, I got lost somewhere in the metaverse and started going crazy on uh, on the cryptos and uh, decided to, to launch our own coin. So that was quite a, an adventure, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that now the coin... I imagine is is a voting uh, mechanism for this uh, art DAO that you're creating. Is that correct? 
Actually, the coin itself is a cryptocurrency, so it's a currency. But the okay. pass of the DAO is actually what you're saying, a governing uh, voting pass. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so how, are you assi- used- how are you doing yeah, the voting? Yeah, the currency is used to purchase art. So we, we effectively did a distribution uh, through an IDO last January, uh, backed by... Uh, the likes of Animoca, um, Morningstar Ventures, uh, some some big venture capitals in the crypto space, some of the, the most important ones. And then um, the our NFTs are minted also accepting our own currency, which is part of the ERC-20 Ethereum ecosystem. So effectively, uh, you can buy um, both physical art or uh, even NFTs with our currency, Artem Coin, as well as Ethereum, USDC, USDT. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, uh, you know, how long ago was it that you originally started accepting crypto payments for art purchases? In 2018, we did a show called Quantum. Uh, In 2018. Accepted, yeah. And we accepted um, 21 different cryptocurrencies. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, what was the thinking going on there? You just like the, uh, the intersection between uh, technology and, and uh, art? What, what, what drove you to, to do that? Yeah, I think it was more about the community uh, than uh, the technology at first. We were interested in a specific, uh, I would say, segment of, of collectors that we could see were already... Uh, exploring very much, you know, the digital medium and and acquiring works through this new technology. And at the time, we we found it very interesting, and and it became a little bit like I think everyone else here it became quite addictive in a way. And we just wanted to explore more. And when we started with the tokenization, so we started tokenizing uh, works of art that we could offer. Uh, at the time, there wasn't any nfts so we had to do it in a more formal way and uh now with the DAO, it's happening more uh as a pass which you acquire as an nft and then you go through a kyc process to claim your uh rewards uh that are generated from the sales of art Uh, it's very interesting you know i'm going to uh move over to a minute and say hello to ben simon from crypto for charity Ben, hello. I, I hear we hello. have a holiday season coming soon. We do indeed. Lots of great opportunities to give. So what has uh, you know altruistic giving looked like in 2022? Is this arguably the year of uh, you know crypto for donations, essentially? I think you could make that case. You know, especially Ukraine, really. We, we saw just this right. absolute explosion, right? Um, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how much of a role the like official governmental embrace of that played but it certainly didn't hurt it was certainly there from the first yeah. day like uh you know when i first wrote wrote about the story ukraine had up on their own website they actually uh i wiped away a bunch of regulations that they had, they had made to kind of slow down the development of crypto and they were uh, openly asking for donations in crypto you know it's very easy for uh for reporters to say that this is an easier way to, uh, you know, transfer internationally and special, especially in embattled areas. But do you have a, any practical sense of how that breaks down in practical terms, where you've got something where the infrastructure is challenged, they're surrounded by not necessarily even friendly airspace? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I can't, I can't speak to the direct circumstances inside Ukraine, having not been there since the the conflict started or before. But um, it's certainly something we see in a lot of in a lot of situations where, you know, it's it's it it. It, you know, it, it's a, it does what it says on the package, right? With with BTC or ETH, where it's like you're you're much more able to transfer and get around some of the red tape and get around some of the barriers and get money to folks who need it. Um, and obviously, there's a flip side of that, which um, a lot of folks like to to harp on, and and leads to perhaps some unsavory folks getting funds who we'd rather not. But um, you know, there's there's a real a real benefit to that. It was worth worth me saying a, a word more, more generally about um, crypto for charity and sort of the, the whole the whole idea here. Hey Justin, I can't listen to you. Hey Justin, you're you're muted if you're if you're jumping in. Um, okay, I'll, since I'll, they, he has yeah, some I'll, issues I'll just, there. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll pick up. Um, so yeah, so. Uh, you know, one of the one of the nice things about crypto is that it's very easy to transfer, right? And that that extends to charitable donations. Um, so, uh, you know, crypto for charity uh, it, .io uh, enables donations to um, almost any charity in the U.S. in particular um, at basically at the click of a button. Um, you know, to generate a wallet address and transfer, and there's this whole sort of zero fee aside from whatever gas you need to pay to actually send the money, um, which makes it, you know, easier and in many ways cheaper than even just yeah, it dropped ev every single barrier. Yeah, it, it was broken by crypto, but it also creates new tasks and how to prevent uh, terrorism funding or money laundering. It's it, it like it helps society in so many ways, but it also creates so many uh, loopholes, you know. Absolutely. Let's yeah. Let Let's see if Justin can join. Hello, Rox. How are you? Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. How's it going? Um, let's see. We are 20 days out. This is Rox from uh, Web3 Summits. Uh, we're 20 days out from our first Women in Web3 conference. And yeah, just been connecting with a lot of people in the space, enjoying this conversation. And oh, I'm also organizing a Women Follow Women mega space this Friday. So just gearing up for that. Doing well. Thank you. Nice. Thanks for joining. I was curious about the 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 modern of the, the exposition that was offered for the artists like how do they sorry there's a microphone working in the street how do do you let leverage uh, the, the new technologies to let uh, artists perform new kind of expositions and new new art how how, how do they use those tools to improve the, the experience of the audience. Sorry, Jose, can you who is that a question for? I think that was about Hofa. Yeah, for 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 Hofa Gallery, like how do artists leverage the tools you provide and and the new technologies to to improve their art or make like new break the boundaries of what we know as art at the moment.
Hajmanid, I think this would be a question for you. Hi, how are you doing? Sorry, I think we're having hey, hello. Problems there. We have Francesca from Hoffa as well. Hello, Francesca. I was talking just in how the Hoffa Gallery leverages the technology and allows the, the artists create new kinds of art and break the boundaries of what we know as art and improve the, the, the experience of the audience with new tools. Well, definitely, you've, you've done fractional sales in, in curated collections that involve both digital and traditional popular art. Would that be correct to say? Yeah, that's correct uh, to say. Um, but also our main focus has always been representing artists that work as, you know, in their creative spaces, respectively, both in contemporary or digital or generative. So to answer your question, uh, we have been onboarding new artists that are young and emerging into uh -huh. the space, but at the same time, we are also um, bringing established contemporary artists and having them exploring new mediums. Uh, we have built uh, our own technology. Uh, everything is on chain uh, on the Ethereum network. And uh, we've been working across a multitude of chains as well with Solana. And uh, recently we are also going to be exploring uh, Polygon. Solana, because you're doing the uh, zero carbon footprint thing. Yes, we will. When we initially launched, we're very, we found the Ethereum fees to be quite crazy at the time. Um, that was about a year ago, <laughs> we were minting, you know, so people had to pay, uh, and, you know, such a huge gas fee that it didn't make much sense. So a lot of NFTs were very inflated by a lot of people releasing nfts mainly i think also because of the gas fees and the complications in 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 the tech but uh with solana we found yeah the speed at the time and the the zero uh pretty much zero fees were were pretty amazing but we have to say that now that ethereum has launched the new release and and the fees are low uh i do sincerely believe that the Ethereum ecosystem is the strongest for uh, what we're doing. That's why we decided to do this DAO launch on the new Ethereum launchpad of Magic Eden. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Um, you know, actually, I we, we have Lisa back as well. I was going to ask her about her project. She's with, she's with Block Leaders as well. But um, l let, me, let me back up. Since we have... Uh, Blockchain for charity, and we have Hofa with us uh, to ask a question that that can uh, that can go out to both of you. We'll start with you, Ben, uh, because I actually I, I dropped out for a minute while I was talking to you. Um, you know what what role do you think uh, crypto or Web three in general is going to play in the holidays this year? How how big a role do you think it will be in terms of people's giving or donating behaviors? It's a really good question. I think that. You know, I, I suspect a lot of there'll be a lot fewer people telling their relatives to buy crypto this Thanksgiving than there were last Thanksgiving. Um, and that it's going to generally be, you know, it, I feel like we're, we're in a obviously a moment where there's just like it's a bit less evangelizing and a bit more of like the people who believe in it are still here and the people who don't aren't. 
Um, and, you know, there will be, there are fewer people right now who are in sort of in massive profit in a way that allows them to harness like insane tax savings by donating. But that said, there's still a lot of people who've been in it for a long time and we're in this sort of increasing adoption moment and increasing accessibility of donating directly to to charities. And so I anticipate there's going to be some, you know, some fair bit of activity for sure. And I think there's, you know, in one of the things, you know, on the art side, we're seeing a lot of um, interest in giving on the NFT side, either from, um, you know, the sort of most most notably and, and things people are most aware of probably is where, you know, artists will often allocate a certain chunk of, you know, of their primary or secondary royalties to, to charity directly in the contract, um, uh -huh. a, a quite a bit of giving that way. And then, and then also people are donating high value assets. We've actually, we've got something that we're sort of currently trying to, to, to figure out how best to, uh, to get it, to get an exclusive on. And so I'm not going to, I can't, I can't break the news here, but there's like a, a pretty high, high value, um, the uh, piece that someone's going to be donating directly to charity sort of through an auction that we run later this month. And there's, you know, earlier this year, we saw there's a really, um, a really nice ringer, um, which is, you know, art blocks piece that was donated to support Ukraine relief. And there's sort of more of that stuff is also something that we're, that we're seeing um, like as, as the space grows and matures and there are more collectors interested in giving back. Um, we're we're seeing that quite a bit more. Well, that's 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 very interesting. I saw in your uh, in your your press release that you put out, you said that uh, crypto donations have gone up a thousand percent this uh, in 2021. Yeah, 2021 was absolutely, um, you know, kind of went from 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 nothing to a whole lot, um, right? As 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 token values went up and as infrastructure matured to enable it, because um, we really went from being from you needing Dang. the charity to have set up infrastructure to accept crypto, which means, uh -huh. you know, wallets and accounts and all this stuff to infrastructure like crypto for charity existing where, you know, all they need to be able to do is accept a cash transfer, uh, either via ACH or a check in the mail because the infrastructure exists to just, you know, direct them sort of through us. And so that also is this huge thing that unlocks, you know, it's a huge unlock for people. Uh -huh. And and both both from the donor perspective and from the nonprofit perspective. Can you tell us what the biggest NFT donation you've gotten is? You, you get any any apes? You get any uh, crypto punks? Um, one of those is is in process. Hmm, that's pretty cool. <laughs> hey, Lisa, can you finally speak to us? Hi, guys. Hello from Ireland. It's very dark here. I'm I, sorry I, about all the trouble <laughs> trying to get in. But, uh, it, you know, uh, like it, it's hard for me to explain to people why, uh, you know, like Spaces is still a great platform, but it's totally wonky. Like I was trying to make you speaker and it threw me off and then I had to restart my phone before I could get back on. So that's why I dropped off for like five minutes. I'm glad you were able to restart as well and, and be able to join us. Um, as, you know, it, of course, uh, J-Rod and I are glad to have have you on board. Now I know you from uh, as a great writer and from Block Leaders, which is one of the uh, websites um, that you write for.
But you said that you have uh, a sustainable project that that you're working on, and you've been kind of focusing on uh, on sustainability in your writing. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, I think it's, it's quite relevant with um, COP27 um, taking place at the moment. So, yeah, I, I'm a forager by trade, so I, I love to eat wild foods and, and, and look for, for mushrooms, not the magic kind. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I'm That's very interested. Bad. In... Since you're out foraging, you might as well keep it interesting, Lisa. You should, you should forage for <laughs> profitable things. I know, I know. Make a little bit of um, money on the side. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've, I'm really interested in food distribution and um, kind of where our foods are coming from. So going into a supermarket and seeing like mangoes from Peru when, you know, we have apples right around the corner. It's, it's quite frustrating um, to me that, that we need, we feel like we need to have everything in the supermarket when really nature provides what we need at different points of the year. So um, I'm trying to take that into Web3 and kind of well encourage people to track their food like where is it coming from so if we look mm-hmm. at the supply chain um and see the 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 carbon footprint of of our food and where it's coming from then maybe we'll be a little bit more conscious about um about the food that's available to us naturally you know from the forest or from the from the sea or whatever um so yeah that's that's my 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 side my little side gig at the moment and um yeah it's really interesting to see blockchain at cop 27 as well um, I didn't think they'd be there, but they're they're there in force, so it's great. Okay, I mean, so it's, wait, tell me about the Web three tie in for this. So, so I, I I get um, it's funny you said you were a professional forager. I mean that that's a that's a super old profession with the human race. So you've been a lot of professional foragers, but um, how are you tying this this into Web three? Are you uh, selling fractional ownership of of uh, locally sourced mangoes? No, absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because no. if so, I, I, I want that as a headline. I want to write about you and say Lisa Gibbons selling fractional ownership of mangoes uh, in Ireland. That would be great. Yeah, well, in Ireland, we don't have that much fruit. You know, we don't have that much sun. It's raining all well, the time. But um, Well, that's why like- it would be a big deal. You'd have to yeah. find the one sunny spot. That's true. That's true. And with climate change, it's getting warmer. <laughs> it's November and it's, it's quite right. warm in Ireland. But um, yeah, so... I think that with with blockchain, it's the technology. It's not more Web3, it's more um, the technology that can enable um, careful tracking of of where the food is coming from. So if we have supply chains now and we're like looking in the supermarket and we're saying, oh, these these mangoes are from Peru and these bananas are from Africa, whatever, um, then we can say, okay, are they really from there? And what is the impact of them coming from there and reaching um, the supermarket shelves in Ireland? And do we need them? You know, do we need them? <laughs> all uh-huh. these foods, it's like we have excess amount of food available to us and all of the different varieties that we have. It's just kind of like everything's at our fingertips now. And it's no one's questioning, do we need everything at our fingertips at every time of the every time of the year, you know? So, um, so yeah, and I, I have a few friends that have um, small, small vineyards in um, northern Portugal and um in the Douro Valley and it's kind of like we have the, the Douro Valley in, in Portugal is, is a lot closer to home for us it's a lot closer to Ireland so um you know we can get our grapes from there rather than you know get our grapes from from California which is which is a lot further away so it's just about managing I mean seeing what the distribution is and then managing that supply chain a little bit more closely and, and carefully I think that's where blockchain can be really powerful you know and that's my, yeah. my thing <laughs> Absolutely. So right now you're just writing. You're um, 
working on a series profiling projects that are tackling this issue. Yeah, it's kind of just, um, there's a few people doing it already. There's a few really interesting projects out there and a lot of them are focusing on refi and um, kind of looking at how we can use um, advanced technology or, or NFTs to to promote, um, a, make um, sustainability awareness and, and driving awareness stuff like that. But there's um, IOTA and um, Origin Trail are like they're actually projects that are working on on supply chain um, and looking at food distribution so i'm 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 speaking to them and, and trying to help and see if i can help in some my foraging knowledge <laughs> my mushroom but, knowledge <laughs> but but elisa if we divert money away from uh if we if we divert money money toward trying to address matters of hunger and nutrition for humans all over the world Aren't we at risk of taking money away from doing important things like buying social media platforms and changing all the rules on those platforms? Well, you know, um, everyone has to have their cause. Your senseless pursuit of this, uh, your fixation on this, on this world hunger issue could distract away from important, important things. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I think sometimes we just need to um, take a step back and listen to like the younger people out there and like uh, Greta Thunberg and, and there's loads of people, but the younger people will tell us, you know, where we need to have sense and where we need, what we need to do in in a better light. We're all just going to be carried away with ourselves. Like egos everywhere at the moment. It's like everyone wants to, I don't know, be famous or have like their profile in, in every, you know, in every place they can and every social media platform they can. Whereas if we, if we peel it all back, it's like, why does this technology exist? Why do we need it? And, you know, I think food is going to be a big part of that, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a 16-year-old, and they tell me almost continually what is important. They, 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 <laughs> they're very good for that. Feed me, show me what's on TV, and help me go to sleep. You know, that's, well, that's, that, the <laughs> that's when it's mellow. That's a good time. Um, <laughs> you know, Hope, I, I wanted to, to take it over to you, too, though. You know... Because I'm just asking because I don't know, and because you know, I, I have an MFA in, in playwriting originally, so I sort of I, I have lots of familiarity with the arts and interest in the arts, but don't really know um, the arts business uh, intimately firsthand. Um, you know, is there a seasonal effect along with art buying? And if there, I mean, obviously, along with art donations, like we were talking about with uh, uh, you know what is it donating blockchain or charity and blockchain um we uh you know likewise there there's just been a bigger uptick in the use of crypto overall uh, is, is there any sort of um impact that reaches hofa's world in terms of buying patterns or people buying more around the holidays do they do they veer more toward digital purchases around the holidays because of time constraints and gift giving and so forth to be honest, um, we haven't had any any uh, downtime because uh, we have seen as well when when the the whole pandemic started and so on and so on. Everyone was scared what is happening. We have sold more art than ever, so the art mm -hmm. actually never stopped. Funny enough, and we were mm -hmm. like, even now that you know the whole crypto is down and the, everyone is a little, it's everything a little bit shaky. The the NFT world and and art, physical art, haven't stopped. So I really don't, you know, 
I think, you know, people sit at home, they maybe they travel, maybe they don't travel much. They they this is a new movement where the young generation starts spending more money on art than ever before. And we have seen the young collectors like 18, 19, 20 spending their money on NFTs and physical art more than on the cars or parties or watches which is which is really interesting because i think you know we have ha- we have collectors you know like between our our collect age of our collectors is between i would say 20 and 50 and uh-huh. more and more there is this young generation coming in that they're just really really big collectors in nfts and physical art and um I mean, the art world didn't stop at all. That's why, you know, we we have had a smaller gallery when we started. We now have a huge gallery in Mayfair in the middle of London, which is, you know, which gave us this possibility to to represent so many artists, do big events. Um, you know, we have done uh, part of the gallery. It's it's a it's a whole NFT platform where you go down and you see the screens with NFTs and it's it's you know we are really it's like an education for a, for a, for a new generation I would say. Mm-hmm. And you know a new gen like uh, when I was growing up, um, people who were buying art as part of their portfolio of holdings were the kind of people who talked about their lives in terms of having a portfolio of holdings like that. <laughs> the same kind know, of people you know, who were you know, like, who, who might be, they might also have trains or factories as well. I guess they have a diversified holdings, but that seems to have changed, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, now you're talking about a collection. What do you have in your collection? You know, and then you can open your wallet and you show, Oh, I have this, I have that. And you know, it's like, it's like almost like um, this, this you know, f- fashion itself was to wear good clothes. Now the fashion became to show what you have in your collection art-wise. NFTs and uh-huh. And this is what it changed in the last couple of years, which has been really interesting for the whole um, art industry all around the world. Uh-huh. I think it's fascinating. It's fascinating that it brings a whole new audience to it. I just wonder if there was a seasonal effect uh, let me just go ahead. Since, since we're at the halfway point, um, let me just remind everyone, of course, on December 7th, we have the Future of Crypto uh, Conference Summit coming up, Benzinga's uh, big annual show. It will be in New York City at Pier 60 uh, to hear all sorts of wonderful people in this space, of, co- of course, including Jay and I, uh, or Jose and I, both uh, – speaking um please uh you know tickets are still available check out our our website go ahead and check out our twitter accounts uh and uh, check out benzinga's twitter account and please do follow uh, any of the accounts the accounts hosting or speaking today we really appreciate your participation jose how are you doing there you still with us man i know that you're a little bit in and out today yeah, right. I'm listening. I, I'm at the doctor right now, but I, I'm listening to space, so super interesting. As, as, as you wait in line, or you, maybe you'll think of a big Web3 idea to avoid waits of doctors and that sort of thing. Man, I'm sure that has already been addressed somewhere, though. So, um, 
Okay. In terms of uh, of breaking news right now, like, you know, I remember last year we were still writing articles talking about whether uh, blue chip crypto uh, uh, was going to be, you know, like Bitcoin, were going to be safe havens, essentially. And it seems that thus far, that really has not been the case. And in the meantime, in other words, S&P 500 and, uh, and Bitcoin have been affected largely by the same waves uh, in the face of, of some, you know, burgeoning global economic hardship. Um, and of course, a lot of the PFP projects, not necessarily the top tier, not necessarily Bored Apes, but uh, most of them uh, have taken quite a beating over in, in 2022. But um, I imagine that one of ones and and uh, NFTs attached directly to art are able to uh, hold their value in in a different kind of way, or at least like maybe have a, have a more consistent long term value. I mean, have have you seen any palpable uh, change in in the enthusiasm of buyers o- over the past year, Hofa, or since the uh, since the bear market? Yeah, I think I can answer that. Um, absolutely, as you said, the one-of-one one unique works that are created by artists that are actually really dedicated to their practice, that are very serious about their long-term strategy and career in as an artist. And we've been focusing on working only with with a handful of new artists. Uh, and we do so every year, a, a very small percentage of artists. And we focus very much on only on unique pieces. And even when it comes to the NFT fractionalized concepts, we always attach it with, with works of art that have an appreciative value that have been analyzed by experts and have auction results and a lot of market analysis. Well, I mean, and certainly, you know, everything about investing art suggests that you you generally, I I imagine people are getting into, into that for a long-term strategy more often than not. And like we, NFTs themselves haven't quite been the phenomenon that uh, that they are now for all that long. So it'll be really interesting to see how they work out in terms of being able to hold on to their immutable value. Um, you know, yeah, Beth, well, we try we try oh, yeah. to focus so much. Sorry, um, Justin, we try to focus so yeah. much on on something that has a curation that people appreciate it for what it is, rather than trying to have a prospect of profit even may that be long term do you see what i mean we Uh actually curate the portfolio with really exciting works that people want to see and want to talk about want to collect and so we don't also because there's a lot of there's a lot of boring stuff that the analysis shows you that it's going to hold long-term value but we try to focus on the art itself for what it is uh, for uh-huh. the practice of the artist, for the career, the efforts and, and the work that goes behind making very good art. And that's where we focus. So we are more about, again, about the community of the people that are interested in the same matters as we are. Yeah, Have you seen any work come out from existing established artists where they did something kind of 
new and delightful based on this new medium that they have to work within? Yeah, absolutely. We on our first show where we onboarded most of our Hoffa artists last year, we we had to literally almost take by hand some of them into trying to understand more because they really wanted to explore new mediums. But in some cases, uh-huh. they didn't have the knowledge. So we were assisting in creating a digital department that can help them set up certain technologies and certain tools that they would require for them to really have a, a full go at, at their at their vision. Hmm. I had an interesting interview with uh, David Cronenberg last year when he auctioned off a one-of-one that he took a or I think his daughter took a photo of uh, like a macro photo of kidney stones of his kidney stones. And <laughs> I think it did exactly what art is supposed to do. Yeah. And especially coming from David Cronenberg, it made me slightly uncomfortable. It was provocative uh, at 75. That, that guy is, is a monster. What a, what a legend. I, I thought that that was a beautifully executed uh, uh, piece on his part even though I totally would not want it on my wall, but um, it, it is. It, and of course I was talking, he, he's talking to me about writing scripts on typewriters. Like he has this, he has a 50 year perspective on his art 50 plus. And uh, you know, to him, he was like, this is, this is just an evolution. He, he uh, he's always been very down with the transformative power of technology on art and on people. So it, it's interesting to see how it can dovetail, how NFTs as a phenomenon can dovetail in with very established artists. Um, um, Bex, I, I think that I see that you've already been made a speaker, and I feel like I've I've already spoken to kindness and crypto over the last little whiles. Uh, so I'd, I just want to give you a chance to say hi if you're if you're with us. I see you're already made speaker. Hi, how are you? Thanks for bringing me up, Justin. Nice to meet you. I think we've spoken yeah. briefly. And then yeah. Benzina and ja, uh, Jose, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, Rox and I uh, are founders of Kindness and Crypto, and she speaks very highly of you, and she said, you, you need to come to this space and, and say hello. So here I am. <laughs> well, Bex, Bex is very wise like that. So Rox, it's, Rox is very wise like that, that is. Um, so so you are partners in Kindness and Crypto, and you both have three-letter names that end in X. Yes, we get um we get mixed up all the time. I yeah, bet no. nobody has ever pointed that out to you before, correct? Well, actually, people just mix us up, but they've never articulated that commonality. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe as you expand, it means you will be limited to other leadership that have X ending three letter names. I love so it. I'm here for you it. You have to look for Rex. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm, Dax, I'm just kidding. Jax. So, so, so we're going into the holiday season and I'm determined to cobble this together some sort of random theme uh, here. But no, like uh, holidays, you know, how how is that? How is that affecting donations how is that affecting activity for you guys right now participation that's a great question so you know kindness and crypto we thought of it as um a collective to begin Uh with and then we have spun it off into consulting as well and so it all just really depends on you know what what you want to do so for me i have more of a creative approach but also did a lot of um product management and or um uh, supporting C-level suite and onboarding mm-hmm. 
profits and stuff like that. So I think that it's the same with pretty much all of the market, right? I think that when you're in a pre-recession and um, a market like we're in, you're going to have a lot of alcohol sales <laughs> and right. you're going to um, have a lot of increase on things that make people feel good. Right. So uh-huh. um, for us specifically, I-, I think we're doing great as far as being able to consult with events and also build community. So those are the things that um, that matter. Right. Is people want to feel good. They want to they want to feel that sense of community and feel like they are not alone and that they, uh-huh. they can create. And so from a creator's perspective, I do feel a lot more um just inspiration right now because I, right. you know, I'm one of those quintessential artists that finds inspiration in darkness. So uh-huh. um, it's pretty dark right now, right? But but there are as cheesy as it sounds, there's a lot of silver linings happening, like these kinds of conversations now. So from a consulting and business owner perspective, um, yeah, it's a little slow right now. But we just started. We're less than six months old, and and I think that we're doing a great job. And Rox and I balance each other tremendously, and. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm just really grateful. Do Do you use the? I, I see that you're a vocalist. So so do you use that as well in the consulting? Because think of how clutch that would be if you if you. Uh, <laughs> I actually have done voiceovers, and I did just get a gig to do some studio work for somebody here locally in Colorado. But you know, we, we host spaces, and mm-hmm. <laughs> part of my community we'll be like hey can you just sing really fast i'm like sure whatever but um yeah and i do you know i, I vocal i'm a vocal coach as well and um so yeah it we're kind of we're all over the place but we do know that the things that we focus on are leading with kindness creating community and um, creating psychologically safe environments so that people can thrive and um, that translates both personally and professionally so even though we have a lot of different things going on. We do subscribe to the essentialism um, theory of, of really hyper-focusing on the values that matter and then everything else kind of le- just falls into place. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, right now, uh, one big story this week, which although people might argue is, is crypto adjacent, um, it still, I think, matters a great deal because uh, at this point, Discord is not as hot as it used to be. Uh, people got kind of, of tired of all the, the pump schemes that were happening on Discord. And, you know, uh, social media seems to go through cycles anyway. So uh, it's it's becoming less hip, at least at the immediate moment, which, which leaves um, a hole to be filled, which in large degree is being filled by Twitter. Twitter is obviously going through some changes. Um, you know, especially given how many projects out there are dedicated to decentralization, preserving anonymity, protecting the user, and free speech, how do we balance out free speech against the inevitability of bad actors? Because to me, it is not a question of whether someone will abuse a platform as soon as I put it up. Uh, It is more like it's a certainty that it will be abused in every possible way as soon as it is as as it is put up. So uh, we know that people are going to break virtually any automated system that we that we run. So how are we? yeah, how do you think this needs to be handled on Twitter and beyond? Because I'm not trying to get any of us kicked off Twitter after all. I think as long as we, uh, <laughs> as long as as we say parody next to it, hopefully we won't be. 
but I, you know, th- th- this seems like a struggle for uh, for our soul a little bit in the blockchain world. It's something that we've deigned to try and address before. Um, what what do you think of this dynamic on Twitter itself, balancing out free speech versus uh, unimpeded speech, uh, tending to also cause a greater centralization of, of different kinds of like-minded people thinking increasingly gnarly thoughts in their little echo chamber. Is that a question for me or is that an open question? <laughs> it, it's your question now because you want, <laughs> because you unmuted your mic. Lisa's oh, no. like, Oh man, I don't want to answer that. Justin, why are you going there? That's a heavy question. It took me a second to really like distill what, what the actual question was. Um, I'm going to repeat. Yeah, I'm good like that. Uh, no, you're well, good. well, we've got we've got free speech <laughs> on the one hand, right. and I and, and I've seen lots of projects that are trying to address you know uh, pr- uh, protecting the sovereignty of the user in so many different ways. Protecting you know the the part part of the promise of Web three is greater sovereign uh, sovereignty for the user. But if we empower the user and open up free speech as one Elon Musk is claiming to do on Twitter. There can be some immediate knock-on effects of opening that up where you've got bad actors insinuating themselves who are not particularly looking to pres- who to uh, create free speech. They're, they're trying to create echo chambers and kind of dominate the narrative with extremist speech. How, how do you balance out those two things? Because I don't think Elon knows. If we can figure it out in this... Uh, in this conversation, then maybe we can write him. And if he doesn't ban us, he'll take our ideas. Rox, go ahead. You have your hand raised. Yeah. I, I think we're finding out that Elon Musk doesn't have the answers to everything just because he has like, Oh, now say that isn't so. No, take, take, take that back right now. Right, He does not. But, um, I think with freedom of speech, we have to remember there's, um, also consequences when you have uh, freedom of speech you're not free from the consequences for saying what you say out loud especially on social media platforms so there has to be some type of accountability and i think reddit does this really well where we can like downvote um or even like ban certain people so it might be we might have to have like maybe sub channels on twitter to where it works for everybody and um, we can have the type of language and culture that we like that we're already having what, by following certain accounts and certain communities like on Twitter. But I think it, it's going to have to be a little bit more defined if we're really going to have uh, free speech out on here. And definitely, I, I hope that we'll rule out any hate speech that um, will come from people's minds onto their keyboards and then onto Twitter. But um, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to speculate, but one one platform that I truly appreciate for having free speech is uh, Reddit, and just the the amount of fact checking um, that goes on there, and um, people that chime in and re- redirect a lot of conversations um, is really helpful. And I think we we definitely need some a little bit of that on uh, Twitter, just because things get retweeted into oblivion, but there's no way to um, go through this thread and like really fact check it. So. Um, the algorithms or um, protocols are going to have to change a little bit um, for that to be a thing on Twitter. So we're approaching the end of the year, so to speak, we're in Q4, and the end of the show. To try and give something pretty universal we can all go over, 
what do you hope that the space will still accomplish in 2022? We don't have much of it left. It's been kind of a hard year economically in and out of Twitter. What are you personally optimistic about? And let's go ahead and start with Lisa. Lisa, what are you optimistic about? Oh, there's loads, really. And actually, I completely agree with Rox there that um, Reddit, I wrote about Reddit last week because Reddit have got the language of Web3 right. You know, before they Mm -hmm. even dip their toes in, they know how to speak to people, like voting instead of liking. You know, it's more of a, a governance um, idea uh, and giving people ownership, and they were doing that before Web three became Web three, right? So um, you're right. I think, yeah, I think communication mm-hmm. um, for 2022. I'm hoping communication in the world of Web three that people realize, um, you know, we don't know it all, so we do need some transferable skills to come from Web two into Web three to to enhance how we communicate what's happening in the space. And I, I'm thinking because of the bear market and what's happening, that people and projects are seeing that a little bit more, that they need to become um, mindful that they're not storytellers, that they're not like communications experts and that they need that extra bit of help or, you know, to to reach out a hand to, to Web2 and say, oh, you've got like 10 years experience in communications. Let's um, let's have a chat, you know, or reach out uh-huh. to Reddit and say, oh, you know, you know how to talk to your audience really well. Um, we'd love to learn from you and, you know, get them, get ready to do a workshop or whatever, you know. So I right. think that um, I'd like to see, you know, Web 2 and Web 3 not pivoted against, pitted against each other, but more, you know, that transferable skills coming in a, a, a lot more in, 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 in mass, you know, and that would be great right. for, for 2020, end of, end of 2022. <laughs> right. Unless you're Elon Musk and you do already know everything. There, there is that if, yeah, if you are that person, because he wouldn't be so wealthy if he didn't already know everything. Um, <laughs> ben, how about uh, you and Crypto for Charity? Um, thank you so much for joining us today. What are you optimistic about in the end of 2022? Yours seems like an, uh, a, a, an organization that has no small amount of idealism wrapped up in it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's on a on the kind of professional level and the degree to which my personal is tied up in it as well. I'm very optimistic about a like a, a, a good and generous um, giving season. You know, I think there's there's a lot coming down the pike to get excited about. And there's even some sort of fun NFT drops happening in partnership with some of our, uh, some of the charities we, we work closely with. Um, uh-huh. Also, you know, personally, I, like I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to some great art um, in the next, in the next couple of months. I'm actually going down next week to um, Mexico city for a week long for the bright moments is this, they do these like, you know, IRL experiences of, of minting generative art. And I'm going down to a, a thing they're doing. And there's a really interesting collection that Dimitri Cherniak, who's this great artist I follow, um, is releasing in partnership with a bunch of other institutions. And I don't know, there's just, there's like, there's great stuff being produced and happening uh, in the space, even in the midst of uh, whatever the hell is happening today. And <laughs> and, 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 all, and all that, uh, I mean, I mean, there's a, yeah, I mean, you know, tr- trying trying to track things as they develop while we've been on this is really, uh, it's just nuts. Um, but, you know, e- even in the midst of all that, there's this great, there's so much great stuff that's still happening. 
What about what about you, Elio? Um, is there anything you know? It, 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 I think by most people's standards, it hasn't been a fabulous year. If I'm to be completely honest, um, you know, is there anything? Uh, what what are you optimistic about or looking forward to in this the tail end of 2022? Well, with all honesty, we're looking forward to some nice cleansing and just kind of purifying a bit. I think, as you said. I think it doesn't matter how well one can do. I think, you know, how you feel within yourself and your body and your mind is the most important thing. So always looking to reset, to let go, to cleanse a bit, to, you know, particularly, I mean, we go to Bali and just try and do, you know, a program and just cleanse with Ayurvedic uh, kind of natural things. And we look forward to that and just uh, a better place for, for everyone. I think uh, you, you have to start by doing your little bit. And uh, we, we really work hard in, in doing everything we can to, to be, you know, for a carbon emission, for everything we do to be streamlined as a company and not have a, an impact. And, and I think if everyone does the same, we, we can do something really positive for, for the world. Uh, with you know renewable energies and and everything and I think technology and the field that we're in uh, is is doing its best to support this. Um, so women in Web three, uh, rock specs uh, or kindness in crypto, which whichever you prefer. Uh, what about you? What what, what makes you optimistic? Because uh, <laughs> there's certainly a lot to worry about at the immediate moment, including. The Twitter thing. I'm a little preoccupied by it myself because I've been here from the very, very beginning and I'm just starting to have fun on, on this platform. So I'd hate to see it change too much. But what makes you uh, optimistic for for the end of 2022? Just to end on, a, on an up note. Yeah, I, I think the connections that I've been making all of this year have been really great, not just to benefit myself, but benefit uh like women as a whole, not to uh, cut off mm -hmm. men. Uh, men have been helping us a lot. Justin, you've been helping us a lot as well with all the intros you've been doing. Um, but right. just to piggyback off of what Lisa was saying, um, we've been connecting with a lot of uh, Web2 people that are moving into Web3 and just those people and all of their learnings and experience are so valuable. And I completely agree that we need to tap into more of that and not... Um, just completely wash away and try to reinvent the wheel moving into web three. Uh, we just need to fine tune it. So that's been really getting me excited about um, ending the year on a good note. Um, just all the positive connections with everyone being able to connect other people as well. And um, yeah, just bring about more visibility to some issues and actually doing something about it. Well, that amen, is great. Sister. What's that? I said, amen, sister. <laughs> right on um thank you everyone for uh for joining us today i think we try to end pretty promptly on time because we're going into the roadmap show which is our nft show on youtube please follow everyone who's a speaker today please come back i believe on thursday we are going to have one of the core devs uh the founders of uh, ux network uh, they were originally a big block producer within the original EOS ecosystem. So we're going to be talking about a little bit, a bit about EOS. They're also part of the Antelope Project, so uh, which is sort of the spiritual successor to the original intent of EOS. So uh, 
that should be interesting to see. I think that very easily that could still be a billion dollar market cap project, uh, you know, by the end of next year. I think it's definitely worth watching. And he's got great things to say about tokenomics and smart uh, resource allocation, like the kind of thing where you listen to him and you think, why doesn't every crypto project talk about this? Because if your tokenomics aren't straight, if your resource allocation isn't straight, that that's how you end up with a Terra Luna. That's how you end up with an imbalanced system that's going to shake itself apart. But, um, you know, J-Rod has been uh, having, you know, going through an appointment today and so forth. Uh, always love his influence more on the show. You had to listen to more of me today, even though he's the more likable one. But thank you for sticking with us anyway. Please come back on Thursday to hear... Uh, to hear FX Network, you know, talk a little bit about additional little bit of tea about the uh, original EOS, how it fell apart, how they got it away from Block One, what's going on with Antelope, what's going on with FX Network, and seriously, several other guests are coming up on on Thursday as well. We never entirely know who we're going to go, who we're going to get. We had Brock Pierce last Thursday, and I didn't know until an hour before the show that that was going to happen. Um, so that was interesting. Brock Pierce and uh, Loop, which shared a chain in uh, in Cosmos with um, with Terra Network with Terra Luna. So we had the two of them, uh, the the, uh, the founder of uh, Tether and uh, the uh, a project that shared a chain with Terra Luna, talking about the stability of stable coins. That was that was a pretty neat little show. If you had a chance to listen to it, you never know what you're going to get, and I love uh, the randomness of it and the combination of everyone. Uh, thank you so much for making a great show. This is like my favorite part of the week. Please join us at 1 p.m. ET on Thursday. And please remember that if you are in the New York area, remember the December 7th Summit by Benzinga. We have great guests coming up, and you should all be there if at all possible. Thank you, everyone, and, uh, and peace. We will talk to you soon.